Well, thank you guys for leading worship this morning. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, we're looking at a section of Scripture, verse 9 through 12. And we've been working through 1 Peter. We're at 2, verses 9 through 12 this morning. Today, we're talking about the voice of truth. The voice of truth uh, this morning. So many voices speaking, but God help us to hear again today the voice of truth. Uh, you know, one of my favorite, I think it's no secret, one of my favorite little cartoons was, was uh, uh, The Lion King and, uh, uh, with, with, with King Mufasa and little Simba. And uh, if you remember the story and how it unfolded, uh, you had little Simba who was born, born to be king. I mean, there was a whole song about it. I'm born to be king and uh, uh, born royalty. Uh, but yet in the midst of the story, uh, he's, he's meandering in the wilderness. He's out in the desert just kind of wandering aimlessly. And uh, uh, because he's believing some things about himself that, 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 that may not be totally true. Uh, he's, he's believing about himself that he's a murderer, uh, that, that he's a traitor, that nobody wants to see you. And so he's living life on the run. And finally, you know how the story goes, there's a little monkey that comes and helps him discover, right, uh, uh, who he really is. And uh, they have this little spiritual moment, right? And I'm not here to say this is a great theological uh, movie, uh, but, I'm, but, but, but just to make a point this morning. So, so, so they have this moment, right, where, where he wants him to look and, and, and discover really who uh, he's created to be. And he looks in the water and, and he sees a reflection of what he's normally, used to seeing and he's seeing himself through lies and, and, and what he believes and, and, and the little monkey says look harder he said look harder and, and he looks down in the water right and, 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 and all of a sudden he sees himself for who he's created to be and he finally hears the voice of truth and although that's a little cartoon and, 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 and it's, it's, it's just an interesting little movie uh, 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 but, but, but that truth is played out all the time in real life uh, where, people, where people have listened to lies, they're believing things about themselves that aren't true, and as a result, just seem to be wandering aimlessly, not really, not really experiencing all that God has created you to be. And you can look through Scripture and find different illustrations. Moses, beginning with Moses. Remember Moses? I mean, Moses was a dude that struggled with esteem issues in a lot of different ways. I mean, when Moses was a little guy, he was put up for adoption because of circumstances. And then as he, as he was raised up, all of a sudden we find him later in life and he's, he's in the wilderness um, just kind of meandering out there as a, as a little shepherd. Why? Because, because, man, I'm a murderer and I stutter and I don't speak too well. I don't even know who I am. And God came to him in a burning bush. Remember the story? <clears throat> Called him to be the deliverer. And when God said, hey, here's what I want, Moses' response was, who am I? I, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so many times, if we're not careful, we're believing things about ourselves that aren't totally true. There's a lot of people that struggle in life because they've heard things. They've heard voices speaking into their lives. There's some people whose lives have been plagued and marked by, you're nothing but an accident. You're nothing but a failure. You're so stupid. You'll never measure up to anything. And there's a lot of people that are plagued with hurt and crippled 
not experiencing everything that God wants you to experience this morning. And listen, I'm not a monkey, but I'm here to help you understand that God wants to, you to know you are somebody special. The voice of truth, listen to the voice of truth. You are a sacred people with a sacred purpose. Beginning in verse number nine, the Bible says this. <clears throat> First Peter chapter two, beginning in verse number nine, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own profession, possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are this people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good Good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so this morning, just talking about who you are, it's important that we understand that. It's important that we have a healthy self-esteem. There are some that struggle with esteem issues. In fact, there are two ruts when you're talking about self-esteem. There's really two ruts to the road. One of the ruts would be an overestimation of myself. Sometimes people struggle with an overestimation. Born on third base, think they hit a triple. In fact, they come to church. How do you know, how do you know you're struggling with with, with an overestimation of yourself. Well, when the church sings, how great thou art, don't take a bow, <laughs> right? But there's a lot of folks that struggle with an underestimation of who you are. And this morning, God's saying in his word, you are a sacred people. Uh, he, he, in fact, in this passage of scripture, he gives four uh, uh, little phrases to help us understand how special you are, how sacred you are. In this, in this passage, he begins with a but in verse number nine. He says, but you are, and so he continues on from there. And, and, and what he's doing here is he's, it, there's a contrast that's happening. He had just described, he says, here's, here's the contrast I'm making. Uh, uh, he, he, he had just talked about how there are people that are lost and they're, and they're doomed to destruction, they're doomed to destruction. And he says, but, but let me tell you something about who you are. And he goes on from there in verse number nine. He says, you are a sacred people. In verse number nine, you're a chosen race, a chosen race. John chapter 15 and verse number 16. The Bible says it like this. In John 15, verse number 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And, uh, and, and just thinking about what that means to be a chosen race. Thank God that I'm a chosen race. What does that mean exactly? Why? One of the questions that have to be asked is why in the world would God choose me? Why, the God, why, why would God choose me? Why would God choose you? And, and, and there's some things about <clears throat> this choosing uh, we can read back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses seven and eight. Here's what the Bible says. When you're talking about being a chosen people, Deuteronomy seven, seven and eight, the Lord did not set his love on you uh, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and he kept the oath 
oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In other words, it's what we would call unconditional election. When you talk about being chosen by God, uh, it's not because of my merit, but 100% because of his mercy. He just simply set his love on me and chose me. I'm thankful to God for that. What a blessing, what a humbling experience that is to say, you know what, he chose me. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember when I was a kid <clears throat> and uh, we used to play a lot down at the, the sand lot, down at, uh, at the elementary school. We'd play anything, everything with a ball, whatever it was, we'd play it. And, uh, and, and that was back in the day when you picked teams, right? And, uh, and I was running the litter. And so, I, I, you know, a lot of times I stayed on the, Monkey bars because I didn't get picked. <laughs> I'm still not over it. But, uh, uh, you know, that was back when you, you get picked by different people. And, and I remember down there at, at the elementary school one day when, uh, when all the big guys were out there and they were getting ready to pick up teams, you know. And I'm like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, uh, and, my, and my oldest brother, Todd, he was a captain of a team. And, 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 and first pick, you know, he, he said, I'll take Brian. And I was like, Me? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not because I was the biggest, not because I was the best, because I wasn't either one of them. He just picked me because, to be honest with you, he wanted to prove that he could win with the worst. <laughs> and do you know that the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, he didn't choose you because you're wise. He didn't choose you because you're gifted. He chose you just simply because he loves you. This morning, I'm just telling you, God loves you. He says, you are a special person to me. You're sacred. You're chosen by God Almighty. What a blessing to be chosen. Some people ask the question, well, well, what does that mean? Some people are just simply excluded. How do you get chosen? I tell you how you get chosen. Respond to an invitation. Pick me, God. There's an open invitation when it comes to scripture and when it comes to the gospel. He says, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> and so this morning, we're a special people. We're a sacred people because we're chosen. And he goes on from there and he says, you're not only a chosen race, but you are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. And when you look at <clears throat> the priests in the Old Testament, and that's what comes to mind for, for these people, they look at the priests, and the priests were, 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 were an elite group, if you uh, might call them that. They had special privileges in the Old Testament. When you talked about the priests, the, but they were exclusive, exclusive in the fact that not just anybody and everybody could be a priest in the Old Testament. You had to be from the right tribe. You had to be from the tribe of Levi. You had to be from uh, the right family. You had to be from the lineage of Aaron. If you even wanted to be a priest, you couldn't just become a priest. And so, and so these priests had the task of, uh, not just the task, but the privilege, the awesome privilege and responsibility responsibility of going into the presence of God. They had the opportunity to be in the presence of God, offering up spiritual sacrifices to him. That's what they did. They offered up sacrifices to God in the Old Testament. That's what the priest did. So imagine being a person on the outside looking in. You could only hope for an opportunity for intimacy with God. And yet God in the New Testament says, oh, this is a new day. It's a new covenant. You are 
a royal priesthood. You have the privilege, you have the opportunity to be intimate with God Almighty, to be in his presence because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when you're looking at uh, 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 the story of the gospel and when you're reading about the story of the gospel, uh, uh, the, 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 the picture, if you, if you will, of, of, of what took place, what transpired at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Do you remember at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the moment that he gave up his spirit, said it is finished. You know what happened in that moment? The veil at the Holy of Holies where only, only the high priest could enter into the presence of God Almighty was torn from top to bottom. Why was it torn from top to bottom? Because God was making a statement that, hey, listen, now every tribe, every tongue, every race, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, it doesn't matter. You can come directly into my presence because now you are a royal priesthood serving the king of kings and the lord of lords the bible says in hebrews chapter number 10 and verses 19 and 20 in hebrews chapter number 10 and verses 19 and 20 therefore brethren since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated uh, for us through the veil that is his flesh and he goes on from there just simply saying hey you are a royal priesthood. But listen, when you're talking about being a royal priesthood, it's, it's not just a title so that you can walk around arrogantly saying, look at me. I mean, I mean think about a priest. Listen, listen, think about a priest who never offered a sacrifice. What kind of priest would that be? We're a royal priesthood. What does that mean? That means we have privileges to be able to offer up spiritual sacrifices directly to the Father in heaven. What are the spiritual sacrifices? What do they look like? Well, there's, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that when you're talking about being, uh, entering into his presence and lifting up spiritual sacrifices, Romans 12, verse number one. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to, to, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Who you are. How I live my life, my ways, what I do is a living sacrifice to him. In other words, when you're talking about a sacrifice, by definition means this. It's costly or else it wouldn't be a sacrifice. There's a cost, there's a price. And I'm not talking about paying a price for salvation. That was paid completely in full. My salvation by Jesus Christ on the cross. And I'm thankful to God for that. But he says, but I want you to be a living sacrifice for me. It's, it's one of the ways that we now as royal priesthood can offer up sacrifices to him by, by how I live my life, how I approach my life with my ways. But my words and my works, Hebrews chapter 13 and verses number 15 and 16. Hebrews 13 and verse number 15 and 16 uh, uh, say this. Through him, then, let us continually offer to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And so, and so another way that we offer up spiritual sacrifices, again, as royal priests, is through our words and through our works that his praise would never leave my lips. I mean, it's one of the ways that we do that is, is, is with our words and with our works and, 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 and that we can be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in his name. 
It's, it's a sacrifice that we have to offer up. I, I, I mean, I, mean I, I think that, you know, throughout Scripture, in fact, you can begin in Genesis and look all the way through Revelation. God's people are a people of praise, man. And, it, and, and, and whether that be singing or speaking, it ought not ever leave our lips. I mean, I, honestly, I've never understood. I've never understood how in the world people can come to church, gather together, be saying, man, I'm a blood-bought child of God Almighty and not sing his praises. I don't understand that. I really don't. I'm not a good singer. <laughs> but I got a song in my heart that just has to get out. Because <laughs> there's a good God and he's worthy of my sacrifice of praise. <clears throat> my wealth, man, my wealth. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and, and, and verse number 18. Philippians 4 and verse 18. But I have received, the Apostle Paul's talking to the church at Philippi. And he says, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What's he talking about? He's talking about their financial gifts, it's, it's, it's a spiritual sacrifice that we, as a royal priesthood, have the privilege to be able to offer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're a special people. You're a sacred people. You're a chosen race, a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, he said. But then he also goes on and he says, you're a holy nation. It's another phrase he uses. You're a, a holy nation. What do you mean a holy nation? It means I'm set apart unto Christ. That's who I am. I'm holy. So the Bible says in Philippians chapter number three and in verse number 20, Philippians three, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, man, I'm a, I'm a stranger and an alien just passing through. And when you're talking about a people, when you're talking about a, a nation, a holy nation, any nation has laws that govern themselves by which they govern themselves and, and so do we as a, as a holy nation. We have God's word governing us, guiding us, guarding us. That's what it's for. We're a holy nation set apart to him. You're distinct, you're different. Set apart unto the Lord. And, and I just can't help but think about where we are uh, uh, in, in, in this world and in, in this generation of, 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 of what we've become as a church. And, and, and as a church, the, the church is so longing to be like the rest of the world that we're losing our saltiness. I mean, we're watering down the word because, man, it's, it's not politically correct anymore. And the fact of the matter is, the church is not called to be like the rest of the world. We got a governing, uh, we got governing laws given to us in his word and we must not abandon the word or we have neglected being a holy nation. The Bible, Jesus Christ, if you remember Jesus Christ preaching, Jesus Christ was preaching and helping, helping people understand who you're called to be and what you're called to do. And so he says over in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus Christ himself is saying, hey, you're, you're different. You di there's different values. Blessed are the merciful. The world doesn't say blessed are the merciful. You be mercy, you're going to get ran over. But Jesus said, no, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. Your enemy, you got enemies? Love them and pray for them. And so the hearers are saying, man, this is really 
different. Different. He said, yeah, you're right. You're, you're the salt of the earth. What do you mean the salt? You're different. You're holy. You're set apart unto myself for my purposes. And you know what he said about being salt? I mean, all of us can look at salt and, and, and take away truths from salt. You're distinct. You're different. But he said this about salt. He said, you know what? When the salt loses its saltiness, the distinctness, the differentness, that's not a word, but it... When it loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. And the church is God's holy nation. So, so, so here's Peter. He's writing to a group of people. Remember who he's writing to. He's writing to a group of people who are hiding in the hills. Why? Because we're misfits and nobody wants us around. Our families have been killed. The world's turned it back on us. And they're struggling big time. And Peter's writing and saying, you need to understand who you are. You're not just an old run-of-the-mill, throwaway kind of people. You're a sacred people. You're God's holy nation. Be salty. He says, you're a people of God's own possession. You're a people of God's own possession. What does that mean? That means, that means to purchase possession. You're a people of God's own, to, to, per, to purchase or to uh, acquire uh, for a price. And, and so when you're talking about to purchase or to acquire for a price, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell you what I am. I'm a bargain shopper. That's what I am. And, and I'm, I praise God for my wife because, you know, She's a bargain shopper. She has to be. Uh, <laughs> she's a bargain shopper, and I'm thankful to God for that. I set limits on how much money I'm going to spend. Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't like to just go out and just spend money. We set limits. You know, I mean, I got, if I buy a shirt or, 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 or some pants, I, I know what my limits are. Why? Because I, I, I say that's how valuable that is to me. I don't care what name brand's on it. That's what the value is to me. I determine that. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, cheaper's better. <laughs> but this morning, you know how you valuable you are to God? You, you, do you know what your value is to him? That he would look and say, I know that this individual right here struggles. I know their weaknesses. I know their failures. but I will pay the cost of my son because you're valuable. You've been acquired, you've been bought, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God says you are incredibly valuable to me. I don't know who you are, where you're coming from. Don't ever believe a lie that you're just worthless. That you're just a mistake. Just a failure. You're misfit and don't fit in. God says, "Mm -mm. you're special to me. In fact, so special, I sent my son to pay the price for you so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why did he do that? 
not because of any merit of my own, but 100% because of his mercy. The Bible says in verse number 10, for you once were not a people. And, and what's he talking about? He's saying this church, this, this church that's been created, that you and I have the privilege to be a part of today, the bride of Christ, it was new. You, 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 once, you weren't a people. Man, why? Because the nation of Israel was God's instrument. But they rejected their Messiah. And by the way, God knew it wasn't an afterthought. God knew before the foundation of the world what would take place. And he had a plan to redeem mankind. And he said, hey, I'll birth the church, this new group, this new body of people. And so in verse number 10, he says, for you once were not a people, but you're now the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He says, you're special people. So you're a sacred people this morning. And, and, and I just want to encourage you again. What do you believe? What do you believe to be true about you? You're, you're sacred people. You're, you're not only sacred people, God has plans for you. God has, in fact, the Bible says over in Ephesians chapter number two and in verse number 10, in Ephesians two and verse number 10, well, back up to eight and nine, you're saved by grace through faith, not by works. But then in verse number 10, he says, you're God's workmanship. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the works that I've prepared for you in advance. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I got significant plans and purposes unique for you. That's pretty special. I mean, I mean I'm not just aimlessly wandering in this life, but that, that the God who spoke everything into existence, he called me, he chose me. He loved me, set me apart for his purposes. He paid the price to possess me. He says, I got a purpose for you. I got a purpose for you. And so the question has to be, what's the purpose? What's the purpose well, he gives it to us. Verse number nine, and then we're gonna jump to verse number 11, but let's read in verse number nine. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why, God, why would you show us mercy and grace? So that you, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see what he's saying? He's saying, hey, I got a purpose for you. I'm, I've called you unto myself. I've set you aside. And, and, and you know what I want? You know what I want? I, I want you to be a, a living billboard. I want your life to declare who I am and my goodness to other people. That's what he's saying. He's saying, man, I, I want you. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses Hey, can I ask a question? Simple question. How do you declare? How do you declare his goodness without words? So you got a purpose. You got a purpose. How can I fulfill it without words? I mean, it's not just words, though. So he says, here's, here's how you do it. It's, it's got to be words included. 
But it's not just words alone. So in verse number 11 and 12, he says this. He says, hey, there's something that happens. I want you to be your strangers and aliens. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. He's saying, man, you're living in a world where there's a a battle that's going on. There's a battle that is raging. And you got to be careful internally what you do. Don't, don't, Don't feed yourself on the ways of the world. You ever, you ever traveled abroad? You ever, you ever gone there? You travel abroad? And, and, and it's interesting when you travel abroad. You've got to be careful what you eat. I mean, some people don't care. They don't give a rip, and they end up getting sick. But you've got to be careful when you travel abroad because what you eat and what you drink. You're not accustomed to those things. And, and, and it's always interesting when you get around people that, that, oh, I can handle it, I can handle it. And for the next 10 days, they're around the toilet. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're, they're useless. Why? Because they're feeding on things they ought not to have fed on. And there's a lot of people who have been called by God and set apart by him that are feeding on the things of the world. And you know what it does? It makes you spiritually sick. There's a battle. He says there's a war, there's a battle that's, that's, that's raging, that's taking place for you, which wage war against the soul. It's in places unseen. Wage war. What does that mean, wage war? It means there's a military campaign, not just one battle, but it means that, man, strategically, I'm gonna continue to come at you. And anybody in this building that's saved, that's born again, could testify. There is an invisible battle that takes place inside of me every day. Every day. Am I ready for the battle? Am I ready for that battle? In fact, this weekend, this weekend we were we had a men's deal this weekend and, and had a good group of fellows come together. And uh, and and we were talking about being filled with the Spirit. Why? Because you gotta be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled with spirit because there's this battle that's taking place on the inside. So the Bible says over in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, and in chapter number five, let me see if I can find it. Galatians chapter five, verse number 16 and following. It says this. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. What do you mean by walk in the spirit? Simply means to, to be obedient to, to be surrendered to. Do you know what happens when you get saved, when you get born again, converted, become a Christian? There's a lot of things we call it. But do you know what happens? The Bible says over in the book of Corinthians that you're baptized by the Spirit of God, immersed. He comes and, and, and takes up residence into the heart to guide us, to guard us. This is walk in the spirit. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we don't listen to walk in the spirit. If we're not careful, we can grieve the spirit. We can quench the spirit. How does that happen? When the Holy Spirit says go and we say no, we quench him. We grieve him when he says, hey, don't do this, but we do it. And you know what happens? We hurt ourselves. We hurt ourselves. 
This week I was doing a little project. <laughs> I feel like an idiot even confessing this. I'm doing this project, right? And, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm screwing one two-by-four to one that's fixed. And so I, I pre-drilled some, some screws into the board. And, uh, and then I put the board, I squeezed them together, you know, like this right here. And there was a screw here and a screw here sticking out. And I had my drill gun. And I squeezed it, <clears throat> picked up my drill gun. I put it on the head of the screw, right? And, uh, and I start to pull the trigger. And, 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 and I promise you, I was like, that's, that's a dumb idea. That's stupid. And, 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 I, and, I, and, it's, and, and I literally, I laid my drill gun down. Set the board down. Said, man, how am I going to do this? I said, I don't have time to wait. <clears throat> Boop, picked it up. Boom. And I, drew, I put a hole through my pinky finger. <laughs> Why? <clears throat> because I wasn't listening. Now, that's not a spiritual. I believe it was. He said, stop, don't do it. And I said, I ain't got time for that. And how many times, hey, listen, how many times in life is there this battle that's raging in our hearts and our flesh is saying, go for it. And the spirit says, don't do it. He says, walk in the spirit. There's a, there's a battle that's raging and make sure you walk in the spirit. He goes on, Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the spirit so that you don't carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these were in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And then he goes on from there. But this morning, I just want to encourage you. Hey, we are in a battle. You know, <clears throat> what Peter's saying here is he's saying, hey, you need to be a billboard, but it begins in the heart. It begins internally in places that you don't even see. Nobody sees, but you know. And we all have those struggles. In fact, in fact, you know what's interesting? <clears throat> when you think about all the people and all the problems that we have in this world, there are. But do you know that I have a greater problem with me than anybody in this world? My greatest problem's with me. I mean, some of y'all, no. <laughs> My greatest problem's with me. It's an internal struggle. Peter's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be a living billboard, speak, but you gotta guard your heart. Second Timothy, in fact, Paul said it like this. Paul said in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee the lustful desires of your youth. Those, those, those passions that are driving us and pursue righteousness. And so, and so God helped me to guard my heart internally, but also externally. It does matter what I do. Why? Because the world is watching. The Bible says keep your behavior, those actions that the world sees. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the, de in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. What do you mean by that? That means this. You ever, you ever live life and people mock you because of what you do? 
In other words, a lost person looks at you and says, oh, you're just a goody-goody. You're just a stick in the mud. You think you're all that. And you know what they're doing? They're testing you. I mean, how many times? They're testing you. So make sure you continue to stick with the stuff. So that in the day of visitation, what does that mean in the day of visitation? Scripture, there's several places where it talks about the day of visitation. It could mean a lot of things. We're not given clarity as to what that exactly means in this. Uh, uh, but I, but I, would, I would think that it has to do with whenever they see Jesus face to face, they've dealt with things. They've gotten saved. Why did they get saved? Because, man, they heard you share the word, but then they also watched your walk to see if it's real. So what Peter's saying is this. He says, hey, listen, and and, and there's a truth to this. They need to hear the word, but they also need to see it. They need to hear it, but they need to see it. They're watching. And you know what? The people that you come into contact with, they're not going to read the Bible. They're, They're not reading the Bible But you know what they're doing? They're reading you. They're reading you. So the question is, what are they reading about your God when they read you? What are they hearing about your God when they hear you? Your purpose. You're a sacred people, special to God, incredibly special. But not just so you can walk around and say, look at me. But you can walk around and say, look how great my God is. Look how great my God is. God help me to be faithful. And now what is the world reading when they look at you? So the question is, two questions. Number one, have you ever been born again to be saved, to taste the saving grace of God? That moment when you understand, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and I am separated from him. And I really am living life in a pointless manner, all about me. But there's got to be more to life than this. And you recognize, I need him. The Bible says your sin separates you from God. And that Jesus Christ shed his blood for you and for me. And that's the only way we can be saved. And this morning, if you've never called on him, if you've never come to a point in your life where you said, God, forgive me. I want to repent of my sin. I don't want to live for myself anymore but I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Come today. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you, to help you in that journey, just to start today. But maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what, I've been born again, I'm a Christian. But I've been plagued because I've been listening to voices that aren't true and I've sold myself short. And there's more to life than what I've been living Today, I would encourage you, just repent where you are. God, forgive me, and let me hear your voice speak to me clearly. And I pray that you find me faithful. God, help me. Do me a favor, join me for prayer this morning. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And After we sing a song, it's, it's, it's an invitation time. It's not over. It's an invitation time to respond. And if you're here this morning, say, man, I, I want to pray with somebody. I want to speak to somebody. We have people that are waiting down front. Come down here and speak with us this morning. Father, 
thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, for, again, the privilege of knowing you. God, to be known by you. Thank you for gifting us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your word. And Father, I pray that we be found faithful. God, search our hearts. Please, search our hearts this morning and have your way. God, if there be any that's never called on your name, never been saved, that today would be the day of salvation. God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would knock and that they'd receive. God, they'd repent. Lord, search our hearts. God, we're living in a world so messed up. God, help us to stay close to you. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. God, we know that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You never fail us. But God, we do. Give us strength to stand. Lord Jesus, Father, I pray that we be used by you to declare your greatness, to declare your goodness, your love to others. Thank you for the privilege. God, thank you for this day. Have your way in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.